0: What's up, Provisioners? We are your broadcasters, Taylor and Luis. And we have a very special guest with us today, Father Carlos Velasquez. Father Carlos. Yes. Okay. It's good to be here. Thank yes. You. Great to have you. So Father Carlos is a pastor at St. Peter's and Paul in New Braunfels and at St. Thomas the Apostle in Canyon Lake. And he is also the dean for the Seguin Deanery in the Archdiocese of San Antonio. So I just said a lot of words that some of us may not know. So (laughs) Father, can you explain to us briefly what it means to be a pastor, but also what it means to be a dean? Good questions.
1: (laughs) Whenever (laughs) the church was officially put together, I guess, at least in order to keep some type of organization, the deaneries were decided upon to be areas within a diocese or an archdiocese. And there are, in San Antonio, 14 different deaneries that are a part of the whole archdiocese of San Antonio. We have seven urban deaneries, and we have seven rural deaneries. And so I am the dean for the Seguin Rural Deanery which comprises of about seven parishes in seven different geographical areas within this part of the archdiocese. And as pastor, I am responsible for the operations of the two parishes in my case. As you said, I have Saints Peter and Paul in New Bronfels, and I have St. Thomas in Canyon Lake. And someone once said to me that they were so glad that the parish at St. That the parish at Canyon Lake wasn't a Marian parish, otherwise I would have Peter, Paul, and Mary.
0: My parishes. <laughs> the whole band. That, there we have go. The whole band. I love it. Awesome. That, that is awesome. So basically, it's kind of like if you're looking at like an example of a university, the deans are kind of like the different heads of the school of mm. sciences and, and stuff. And like actually, that. that's a
1: very good analogy because. As most of you know, there has to be some order in a college-university system. Mm -hmm. Now, there could be some disorder amongst the college students, but that's a whole different (laughs) podcast. (laughs) I'm talking about within the analogy of the university or college, there is a president and there's a vice president, a provost, there are registration people, and then there is an organization, and that is the way that... Things work so that things can work somewhat efficiently. And so the church does the same thing. And one can go and start from the top, I guess, from the pope and whittle it yourself down to um, a deacon or a subdeacon or whatever. So right. there are areas of organization that are very, very important for the church. There's also some geographical Jurisdictions, and I think that's an important part of the whole deanery part, uh, where we're geographical areas, and in a sense, I'm responsible for the churches and the priests that are within the Seguin rural deanery, and so it's a it's a difficult task in a sense because I already have the two parishes, and then I have an additional task of being the dean and that means attending a meeting an extra meeting once a month with the archbishop where all of us deans gather and so it's called a presbyteral council meeting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so all of us 14 deans plus some of the archbishop's staff members we meet once a month except for the month of july i think we get july off because most people are on vacation or they're doing something during that at the beach Yes, at the beach. Probably (laughs) not. (laughs) And uh, so we we have our meetings with the Archbishop and the Presbyteral Council. I think it's usually the first or the second Monday of the month. And then I have to have my separate meeting with the priest of the deanery in order to convey announcements or different organizations or whatever is being brought up at the Presbyteral Council meeting, I then bring up to our local deanery Mm -hmm. and the information can go both ways. So if there's something that the priests of the deanery want the archbishop and the archdiocesan people to know, it comes through me and vice versa.
0: How interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Who who knew it was so complex?
1: So in other words, you get to do a lot of bossing
0: around, right? I don't know about that. (laughs) I I don't. uh,
1: The only boss in my life is Jesus Christ. There you go. Very nice. All, all right. right.
0: So any, anything else you want us to know about you, Father, to get to know you, fun facts or anything? Fun
1: fact. At all, people don't know that, I think it was in 2017 or 2016, I spent two weeks in Samoa.
2: Really? Oh, Samoa. So Very
0: nice. And, I'm not,
1: and I'm not talking about the, the little Girl Scout cookie things. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm talking about Samoa, the country.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And
2: did you go, was that something you did because of, of work? Because of, they, did they send you there or, or was it for, for vacation?
1: It was actually a vacation. Spend a lot of time on the beach, actually. I think I, I went uh, snorkeling every day that I was in Samoa for those two weeks. Wow. That
2: is awesome. That's really awesome. That's amazing. How, did, how good did your haka get in Samoa? My what? Your your haka.
1: <laughs> My haka.
2: Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, do you know about the haka? Haka. Aha! Uh-huh.
1: Tell me about the haka. The haka. Or okay. is there you're having a personal problem here? Uh, no, no, no! no. <laughs> I am not having a stroke. This
2: is an actual thing. No, the haka is like a a, a ritual dance that the Samoans do. And uh, oh. it, 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 so you see it a lot. Actually, the way I learned about it is in rugby games. So, oh, uh,
1: okay, now I know what you're uh talking about. Yes, (laughs) now you know
2: what the haka is. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, I I guess you didn't have any haka classes. Uh, I did not have any haka classes, but I did do kava ceremonies.
2: Okay, now you have to teach us what kava is.
1: Okay, a kava ceremony is a local custom that is done in Samoa and I think in some other um, Pacific. Countries, island Pacific countries. And it is an actual uh, ceremony where the head of the community, and it's usually, you know, the the Samoan people are, are very clannish and tribal. And there is always one person who is kind of the head of the community. And in order for you to be welcomed as a guest, or as a family member, or at special occasions in the life of the community, there is a kava ceremony. And the kava ceremony consists of taking a powder that is taken from a kava tree, I think, Mm -hmm. and it is um, made into a paste. And then the paste is, in a sense, it is brought through a strainer in a sense and um you drink from the kava cup oh, and sense. you pass it from one person to another
2: oh how cool
1: and That's very nice it's very non you know <laughs> you can't totally do that friendly. right now yeah, during not COVID COVID. <laughs> i'm not sure how they're doing it in, in samoa right we now. do not recommend to do this at home right now not right now yeah. <laughs> but i was honored by having several Kava ceremonies in my name because I was visiting them. And so when I traveled with a family that I knew from the United States from one community to another there, I was able to be honored by participating in a kava ceremony. And um, you basically drink the kava and then you say some words and you pass the kava bowl to the next person. And that's how you continue to to become a part of the community. It's a very beautiful tradition. And it really reflects what I think the Samoan community is about. Of course, you have to wear the proper attire Mm -hmm. for the kava. You have to be uh, also uh, sitting on a particular straw mat that every community has made for themselves. And so every community has a traditional straw mat that they sit on for their Kaaba ceremonies. Wow. Very beautiful culture, very beautiful people. The people are giants, they're huge. (laughs) The men and the women, both are huge. There's some American uh, football players that come from Samoa. Right. And that's where, you know, why they stand out so much. They're huge but they're big teddy bears
0: oh. they have awesome. the best a lot of, smiles a lot, of yeah.
1: a lot of compassion a lot of love I was able to go to Samoa because some friends of mine who I met over 30 years ago have friends who lived there and I guess over the last 25 years they had been asking me to go and I was always told them no I don't think I'm gonna be able to make it this year they were going every so often and finally, I think it was in 2016, I said yes. And I actually wasn't sure if I was going to be able to spend the entire two weeks in Samoa because I wasn't sure if I was going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a completely yeah. different place. It from is. Yeah. World. It is. Yeah. So
1: I ended up making uh, plans to have an easy out for a week. So, and I told my friends, look, I'm going to go to Samoa with you all. But if I don't like it after that first week, I've already made reservations to go to Bora Bora.
0: Oh, very nice. There you go. Because it's not that far. Uh It's only like
1: a 45-minute plane ride. But guess what? Loved it. Loved Samoa. Didn't want to leave Samoa. And to this day, I'm hoping that I'll go back.
0: Oh, yeah. Very nice.
1: Another interesting thing about Samoa is that it really is at the very end of the international dateline for the world. Really? So yes. when you're looking at the sunset, it really is the last sunset of the day. Wow.
0: Isn't that a cool thing? Yes. That's really cool. And
1: the other interesting thing is that because most of the industry and because most of the finances and because most of the world is in New Zealand, which is across the international dateline, you're sitting listening to the radio and you're listening to tomorrow's news.
2: Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. Because because of their proximity, because, you can pick yeah. it up. And it, but yes. It's already yeah. Well, happening.
1: most of the economy that Samoa has is attached to the New Zealand economy, which is really weird because they have the beginning of the day and Samoa is coming to the end of the day. But I could tell you, if I was in Samoa, I could tell you what's going to happen tomorrow.
0: Yes. You could predict the future, basically.
1: If I'm in Samoa.
0: If you're in Samoa. (laughs) Samoa. (laughs) If you're in New Zealand, you're out of luck. Yes. You're out of luck. Yes. All right. Well, thank you. I So... I have to make a, a fun fact here, too. So, Father Carlos is actually my boss. So, you've actually been mentioned in our podcast before. So, you're a little infamous. So, people kind <laughs> of already know the name. Um, but I'm, I'm happy that you're here with us tonight. And let's go ahead and start talking about our topic. So, Braille Rishner the topic for tonight. We have a topic? Y- we have a topic. You came prepared? We came prepared. Oh, right? good. <laughs> There
2: is a plan, yes. in fact.
0: Yes. So the title of uh, tonight is Bro, Where's My Prayer? And so Bro Grishner our first episode. We talked about how to pray. We talked about how Luis and I pray different methods. So really what we want Father Carlos to to talk about is how do we know God is answering our prayers? And how do we know that God is hearing our voice when when we when we pray and just a a fun fact about this this episode too is louise and i were planning on doing this as our second episode and we sat down to start planning it in my office actually a couple of saturdays ago and we were just like nope this isn't happening (laughs) we don't have (laughs) enough enough knowledge base to to really talk about this and so who's
1: going to share the, who's going to share with the community the knowledge that you're asking for?
0: you oh, Carlos that, oh that's thank how, you <laughs> thanks you're for welcome. putting me on the spot
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we decided to bring in an expert yes. since uh, we started coming up with some questions that we weren't really ready to, uh, to answer. answer right, and we figured that uh, someone with with your breadth of knowledge and your experience would have some interesting things to say about <laughs> about our topic so uh thank you for being here. Honestly, yeah. uh it's it's a it's a really cool thing that you're here. You've shared such cool stories already. I know. Um so uh yeah, so I think for me, for example, one of the things that that growing up you start um thinking about prayer is that there is some there is there's this belief that there's gonna be some sort of transactional thing, right? Like you're gonna ask for something. And if you're a good person, God is going to give it to you.
1: This for that.
2: Exactly, mm-hmm. and and as you grow older, you start realizing that 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 is not the nature of prayer, and that is not the nature of of God's voice. Um, so, could you tell us about what um, what people talk to you about what they what they think about prayer or what they pray for, and and what your experiences are with with their. Uh, satisfaction with their prayer or or the outcomes that they were expecting.
1: One of the things that I want to make clear is that all of us are at different levels of faith. And I'm glad, Luis, that you brought up the topic of when you were a child, because that's an important part of the whole aspect of prayer. I think all of us can remember which was the first prayer that we learned. Mm -hmm. And maybe, most importantly, who taught us that prayer? And that's an important part of this uh, conversation because I certainly do not want anyone to feel excluded, but everyone needs to be included in the conversation. First of all, we need to figure out again I guess we don't have to figure out but we need to acknowledge that everyone is as, is at a different level when it comes to their formation in faith And having said that, then we can and once we acknowledge that then we can start looking at where we are and what do the prayers that we say mm-hmm. where do they come in in our life. Yeah. And you're right, for for the longest time in in the lives of of children, they they want to pray for something that they want. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that is something that happens to us naturally.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yes.
1: But as one grows in their life and as one grows from one level of faith to the other, and hopefully you're going upwards and not downwards in your, <laughs> in your understanding of faith levels. There is a maturity that occurs in a life. And I don't know when one would say you reach the amount of maturity where you start thinking about prayer in a different way, but it does come. Yeah, hopefully, right? Ho- hopefully. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> And so we have to realize that that is where we need to start at times. Acknowledge where we are in our maturity of our faith. And then move from that to uh, almost an, a total detachment from ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: We are um, people who want things done our way within our time frame. We can almost want to ask God, yes, I want this tomorrow at 2.30 from this person. And I want it to be this response to my question that I have. And in all honesty, I think we're being selfish with God when we put ourselves out like that. Mm -hmm. So prayer is a level of maturity has to incorporate a level of maturity for a child to be able to to have a very very deep sense of prayer I'm sure is very rare yeah right and I think there's always that level of innocence that a child has that has some some incredible uh, words of wisdom that they want to share with God on their level yeah and so that's an important part of this conversation The other part that I think we need to center on, and that is that God has never stopped speaking to the
0: world. Amen. If
1: we pick up the scriptures right now and go to just about any book in the scriptures, we're going to find that God was calling people, and that process of calling that God has done, it didn't stop at the end of Jesus's life. It's something that is continual, that's everlasting, and that is happening right now. As we have this conversation, there is God that is calling us to do certain things. And I think that is what we need to also keep in mind. Yeah,
2: I want to pick up on that on that second uh, sep- second point that you brought up because I feel like that is one of the uh, major points of distinction between. I feel like for a lot of us, it feels like there was a time where where God would speak to us directly, and and there was the age of prophets, and and. And the age of, of course, the age of, of Christ on earth, etc. And I feel like a lot of us expect God's voice to be something like that, mm-hmm. right? In fact, uh, many of those who have a hard time believing in God and and accepting God's existence and presence in, in their lives point to to that sort of thing. Like, where is God's voice anymore? Why is nobody... Why is God no longer talking to us in the way that we see depicted in, in the Bible and whatnot? Um, what are some of the ways that you, um, that you feel God continues to speak to us? And, and what particular ways could we look for God's voice in the world?
1: There uh, needs to be an openness to ourselves. There are many, many distractions that are a part of our society today. There are many things that we worry about. There are many things that are obstacles between the relationship that we have with God. And those obstacles, they can be uh, phones, computers, relationships, worrying about the economy, worrying about the leaders of the world, worrying about the pandemic. And we simply have to detach ourselves from all of that. And I'm not saying that we have to physically detach ourselves from some of the things that have become a part of our normal being now. But there's ways to do that. Yeah. There's ways to, to detach yourself from those things that are Humming and you know <laughs> that are taking a part in our life right now, and so how do we? You know that that's that's prayer when we can when we can detach ourselves from all of those things and experience the presence of God, and to actually be able to hear the presence of God in your life, in our life.
0: So I mean. I guess hearing God's voice doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you, you may hear an actual voice speaking to you, but hearing God's voice could also be something physical, right? Something that, you know, you experience or something that, you know, you see someone walking across the street and they they fall and you see someone help them up. Would Would you... Absolutely, God speaks to
1: through other people to us. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be the direct um, recipient of that call from God. It could be coming through another person. Mm -hmm. It could be coming through another situation. You know, how many times have we heard that an experienced Change their life.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Sometimes an illness changes a person's life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a relationship changes a person's life. Sometimes there is um, some type of of distress or anxiety. Those are those are ways that God calls us as well, and the most important thing is how we are responding okay. to that call. Mm-hmm. But we cannot respond unless we hear. Yeah. Unless we hear the call, we can't respond to the call.
2: Yeah. Now, um, I think that, I think that in, in many of our lives, uh, so all of us are going through our different journeys yeah. in life. And all of us are experiencing different levels of of God's presence in it. I wanted to ask you: um, you have a you have a very a very different experience of God that we do, uh, perhaps in, in the shape that that you are a you're, you're a priest, um, and so you you've made the choice to dedicate such a large part of your life to the church to serving um, the mission of, of Christ on earth. And I wonder, do you was there a moment where you felt like you heard God's calling? Do you remember that, how that moment was? And how did you know that it was God's calling for you? How did you know it was God's voice speaking to you?
1: I've been ordained a little bit over 30 years now. And part of my 30 years was um, being the vocation rector for the Archdiocese of San Antonio. For six of those years, I was the Arch- the, I lived with the Archbishop, Archbishop Patrick Flores, yes. and I uh, was the vocation rector for the Archdiocese. Your question is very interesting because, yes, there are many, many individuals who hear the voice of God And automatically, they know that it's God who's calling them to religious life, priesthood. And then there's also people who, they don't hear that direct calling. But it's through others that they experience that calling. In my life, I, I don't think I could tell you that there was one specific bolt of lightning event that occurred in my vocation. There are too many incredible factors, I think, as part of the the equation in my life. Uh, Great grandparents, great parents, great parish life. I tell people I'm, I was a a a church rat, in a sense. (laughs) I, I used to hang out around the church a lot. And I think it was through the example of my grandparents, through the example of my parents, through the example of the parish priest that were the, the pastors of the church where I grew up in. And most importantly, it was through the people, sometimes the people that I didn't even know, who would look at me and who would later say to me, uh, hey, Carlitos, as he used to call me, have you considered being a priest? And that kind of sealed the deal, because oftentimes you take for granted what parents say, what grandparents say, what maybe the parish priest says. But when it's someone who is out there, who is totally out of the realm of your world of friends or whatever, that says, you know, you may have a vocation here. So I think that's where that's the that's the area that I fall in. And then, like I said, there was no bolt of light in experience for me. It was just um living my life, uh taking in everything that God kind of put before me, and being able to acknowledge that this was going to be the way that I wanted to be of service for the people of God. Yeah. And I say it that way because there are many people who may be listening who may have that longing Mm -hmm. for being a priest or religious and that is absolutely amazing and wonderful but at the same time there are many of you who want to be of service Mm -hmm. to the people of god and you can do that too Mm -hmm. you don't have to be a priest or a religious and so there's different ways that we can be called and there's different ways that we can respond to God, yeah. especially now in the times that we're living in today.
2: Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm curious. Um, I feel like there's a lot of us out there who are, especially uh, for our audience maybe some of us are trying to just figure out what our vocation is supposed to be or what our calling in life is, even if it's not uh, a religious vocation. Maybe we're just trying to figure out what our career path is supposed to be, how we're supposed to, what our place is in the world, basically. Um, the, The moment that it's synced in for you that, okay, this is it. This is what God is calling me to, I'm sure now. Were you
1: surprised? Like it happened this morning, <laughs> <laughs> and that's honest because yeah. I think I tell people, you know, it, it, you have to make a commitment every day.
2: Absolutely. Ah.
1: Yeah. It, it's. I mean, I've had some wonderful moments as a priest. My the moment of my ordination, I thought was amazing. I there was something that I really truly felt at that moment, and that was amazing. But I also know that there have been many days since then when I've gotten up and I said, yeah, this is what I want to do. And this is the one, what I want to continue to do. So yeah. it's almost as if you have to recommit yourself every day, every, every day. day, because in reality, even though I may have certain set things that are a part of my schedule every day, there's a lot of surprises that God has placed before me every single day of my priesthood. Oftentimes they're really joy filled events. But I can also tell you that there's some days where it's not so joyful.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Just like everybody any, has the, the bad day in the office. Any job, except yes. Taylor. Taylor loves his job. I do. Taylor, I, I do love my job. And that. he's <laughs> saying
1: that because his boss is in the room. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. 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 So I guess going yeah. off of you know hearing God's voice and and how we hear God's voice, what happens and if we're praying for something and we're not hearing his voice we're not or we're not getting the the answer that we think we should get i mean does it mean that you know we're just completely lost or that you know god loves us less which of course we all know the answer to that but
1: i have to go back to what i said earlier about experiencing detachment and not being selfish there's a very beautiful gospel reading that accompanies the beautiful sacrament of the anointing of the sick taken from matthew and in that short gospel reading We are reminded that all of us, and you got to keep in mind that oftentimes, well, not oftentimes, whenever you're saying this or sharing this gospel with someone else, this is a very critical time in their life. Mm -hmm. They're either at the point of death or they're getting very close to death or they're simply sick, but they want to be healed. Mm -hmm. And the simple message that comes from that gospel reminds me at least that we have to have this childlike confidence with God and we've all been there
0: it's
1: mm-hmm. going back to the kids and our childhoods and that is we want we want things to happen and little kids these days are no different than the kids when we were kids Mm -hmm. and like i share and i usually give a little brief little summary of that reading i remind people that god wants us to have that childlike relationship with him that whenever there is anything that we need then we need to ask god just like little kids do today i see it all the time at at the grocery store (laughs) mommy mommy I want this I want that Mm -hmm. and guess what if you are a responsible adult in their lives you're going to give it to them Hmm. pretty much you're going to give what they want Mm -hmm. they want a kiss you give it to them They want want lollipop you give it to them you know that's the way it usually works and so we have to keep that image in mind that that there are some moments that We in our adult lives need to ask God for things. That's the first part. But like I said earlier, if we are truly disciples and people of faith, then we have to accept what God is going to be giving us. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What is the will of God for us and how are we going to accept God's will for us? That's the hard part of our faith.
0: Yeah, because it may not necessarily be
1: the way you want it and at the time that you want it. And maybe it's not the person that you need or want at the time. And all of those things have to be put in the mix. And we have to rely on the fact that God knows best for us. And we cannot be selfish with what we think, but we have to allow God to do what God needs to do for us in our world.
2: Yeah, and I think um, I think that's such a, a beautiful way to to kind of s- summarize our um, our journey of faith, right? That that. Being able to to live in that sort of uncertainty and that sort of, of waiting period, right? Um, because our faith ultimately it's about it's about the hope, right? It's about it's about living in, in the hope of the resurrection. It's about living in the hope of of a better world to come of, and. Also, yes, in, in the actions, in in the in the striving, in the in the working towards towards that better world, towards the the kingdom of God. But I feel like one of the most important points of maturity for for Christians is is being able to see God within that moment of uncertainty and within that moment of waiting and within that, because we don't know how that answer is going to come, uh, like you said and. And I think, personally, I, I it's something that that I struggle with sometimes. I just struggle with the uncertainty, being being able to live in it and 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 be hopeful and 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 patient. And that's the answer.
1: natural part of our prayer. You know, we have to be uncertain about things. I think, in those moments of perhaps doubt, there's there's also the reality that that. And this is going back to those levels of faith that all of us are in at different levels and at different times in our life. You know, there's, there's, um, there's probably good evidence to this that oftentimes people lose some of their faith once they finish high school, early college. They start losing that faith. And oftentimes it's because they don't have some of the structures that they had in their faith before that time. Hmm.
0: Hmm. So parents mm-hmm. saying, you need to go to church. Well, and it's don't. not
1: just parents, but maybe it's also a certain routine that people get out of hmm. that sometimes changes their 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 reliance on God. Hmm. And then that's when they stray and I'm convinced that once there is tragedy, Mm -hmm. maybe once there is illness, once there is something traumatic that happens, that jars that person into getting back to that structure that they need. And that structure is prayer. And it allows them to once again feel um, included, and it allows them to feel once again as if they're being loved by God.
2: You know, it's interesting you mentioned that structure. Um, I I think that for me, that structure for the longest time was St. Mary's University mm-hmm. and, and uh, the university ministry, and, and they have such a wonderful way of, the Marianists, have such a wonderful way of connecting with the community and bringing in the students, and, and they love the students uh, so much. Um, when I was there, um, I was always reaffirmed on, on my gifts and, and on the things that I had to offer, and and I had this also. I also had this um, the sort of, of energy for the ministry that I had garnered because I, I had just come, gotten my confirmation. Uh, and and gone through that process and and that was very it was very uh energizing for me as far as faith goes uh once i graduated from saint mary's there was there was that uncertainty there was that lack of structure Mm -hmm. like you said and and it does affect you in certain ways especially when you let god in, in in such a in such a um profound way or, or in such a robust way in your life where he, where you make it part of your life every day, every day, every day. And then all of a sudden, everything that you were using to, to stay connected and stay in communication with God goes away. Uh, for me, it was very, very, um, it was very much a struggle. And I think it was until I started going back to, to the music ministry and I started going back to, to prayer because um, to me, th- what I do in, at the Mass, what I do with music, that is to me the ultimate connection to God. And, and I know that, that you love music as well. I love music. So, so you will probably agree with all that. All types.
1: All types. <laughs> yeah. Go back, though. I think one of the ways that, um, that we get engaged or re-engaged with God is because there is an invitation.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: You were invited at some point to be a participant in music ministry. You were invited at some point to be a part of the campus uh, ministry. You were invited at some point to get involved in this. And so that's another thing that we need to always keep in mind is that we have to get engaged. And oftentimes it's not going to happen until someone invites us to do so and god's inviting us to do all of that and more and that all happens through other people intervening and doing the invitation for god to us
0: yeah absolutely i like i like that you brought up invitation because our gospel what, what was it i think two or three weekends Ago or was it last weekend? Either way, <laughs> um, <laughs> one, of those. You know, what, one of those. But you know, it's talking about uh, the king who invites the people to to the wedding, and you know, talking about that, you know, what that what that invitation is. And I think you know, for our audience, for our our Bureau assembly, we need to remember that that invitation is going to be different for everyone, and it's going to look different. For everyone, you know, from personal experience listening to this, I, I, you know, was thinking because like Luis, I was involved in campus ministry. But then when I left St. Mary's, that kind of went away because, you know, my job didn't allow me to, you know, my schedule didn't allow me to be off on Sundays, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, it light bulb moment for me. My re-engagement, one is, you know, my position at St. Thomas as, as the liturgist and, and director of music. And that invitation and hearing God's voice was uh, one of our fraternity brothers, Rolando, you know, telling me, hey, Father Carlos is looking for this person. And I, I don't know if you know this, Father, but Rolando told me about St. Peter's and Paul when you were hiring there and told me about Canyon Lake twice before Mm. I ever sent my, my resume. Mm. Um, so that more self-reflection here, but that was really that invitation.
1: God persists in our
0: lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
2: Well, um, we've had quite a bit to say about this topic (laughs) and it's, it's been wonderful. Uh, Thank you so much, Father Carlos. And since since we're in the in the topic of invitation, you know what, what what kind of invitation would you like to make to to our listeners, to our bro assembly, as we call them, yes. affectionately, <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, to you know, in regards to their prayer life, or or maybe in regards to to listening to God, or, or a moment in their lives. What kind of invitation would you like to make, as far as that goes?
1: Be open be open to sometimes the stranger who is going to make a comment that you may think is a little odd, but once you listen deeply to that comment again, then you're going to say, wow, that was actually very profound. And sometimes it's it's being open to, to what we're not uh, accustomed to, where we're a little uh, squirmish, Uh, It's all of those things that I think tell us that God truly is working and God truly is calling and we truly need to respond to that call.
0: Absolutely. All right. So thank you, Father Carlos. So we usually do one last thing before we wrap up our episode and we like to call that uh, the Bro Catholic of the Day. And so if we're you, Father Carlos, and for if you're just joining, listening, basically what that is is we take a person, whether still living or a saint or someone within our church, that kind of has those bro-worthy qualities, as as we affectionately say. So today we're going to talk about uh, Saint Augustine, and so Saint Augustine. So feel free, you know, as I do this, to chime in and, and give your thoughts as well, Father. Uh, so for our brovisioners, Saint Augustine is a good example of what we call a, a bro in (laughs) our modern times, uh, because, you know, he was, he started his life, you know, ultimate sinner and, you know, not leading, leading a Christian life. And his mom, who is St. Monica, you know, really led him to the church. And, you know, he struggles throughout his life until he finally, finally converts. And I, I like the story of St. Augustine, the, his first experience with sin is stealing a piece of fruit and he describes it as you know he, he didn't steal it just because he could he stole it because he enjoyed stealing that that piece of fruit so i think i think he really speaks to our audience because sinning is is easy in in a lot of in a lot of senses you have anything you want to add? Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. You know, there's a, I'm sure Monica cried many, many tears for her son, Augustine. Yes. And finally, he came to realize that instead of um, kicking and screaming, instead of uh, being who he was and the carousing and all of that that was a part of his history, that I think he heard eventually the call of God. And, and once again, it was probably through uh, someone that he didn't really, really know who made him realize, mm-hmm. uh, you know what? Your mom's been praying for you. Your mom's been crying for you. So maybe it's time to make a difference. And that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what I think most of the saints have done. It's not uh, as if uh, they were brought into this world as complete angels, because I'm sure (laughs) even some of the most amazing saints that we have, have had their little quirks and their (laughs) their little idiosyncrasies that must have driven some of their friends up the wall and back. Mm -hmm. And yet they remain now amongst the holy ones that we admire yes
0: yes Yes. so moral of this story real russianers is you know you have saint augustine he was a sinner but then he became one of the doctors of the church so not to worry there's still hope for you me and everyone to (laughs) to answer that call to be holy yes indeed
2: well father carlos uh this has been lovely
0: yes thank you
2: so much for being here and uh we wish you the best in in everything you do and please be uh, nice to taylor (laughs) as long as he's as long as he's being nice too as long as taylor's being nice too well
0: (laughs) that's another episode uh thank you father carlos thank you all right well that is all from your broadcasters today Uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Out Catholic and email us at BrowingOutCatholic at gmail.com with questions, suggestions, comments, or anything else that you would like to let us know. To find all the different platforms in which our podcast is aired, visit our About Us
2: section on Facebook and find the platform that's best for you. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave us a review where you can tell us what you like or didn't like. But uh, preferably what you liked <laughs> about our show. Um, that is all for us today. I'm Luis. And I'm Taylor. We are your broadcasters. Peace, Peace of Christ out. Christ out.